Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to follow the best players, games, tournaments, storylines, and everything else going on in the world of professional volleyball. Today's episode is going to be a mailbag podcast where I answer the questions that you guys asked me on my Instagram at 5-1-VB. If you want to get your question in for next week's episode and don't already follow me on Instagram, I would recommend going there and doing so. Try and post some interesting highlights and clips, stats, anything I find interesting on that. In today's episode, I'll be answering some interesting questions, some about the Olympic qualifiers, some about next year's Olympics, standard questions about best players and that kind of thing. Hope you enjoy the podcast. So let's start off with a question by one of the regulars, Hugo Van Garderen, who asks, what are the top five best performances for the Tokyo Qualification Tournament? And while I have looked at a lot of the box scores and I watched most of the games, I haven't done a super detailed analysis of every single game and figured out everyone's stats averages. But just looking through and from watching the games last weekend, I would say one of the top performers was Dutch opposite Namir Abdelaziz, who had multiple games hitting above 60%. Really impressive showing against the USA, single-handedly almost won them that third set that really started to make things interesting, and just an overall very impressive performance in terms of attacking and also from the service line. Another guy who really impressed me from the same pool was Aaron Russell, who we didn't see much of at the VNL Finals in Chicago, but really looks to be back in full form, back to being healthy. He's a guy that's always kind of dealt with nagging injuries, but it looks like he's at least close to 100% right now. He was hitting and blocking really well, using his size against sometimes undersized opponents he was facing. And one thing that we always worry about when it comes to Aaron Russell is his passing. But over the weekend, he dealt really well with a lot of really strong servers. It looked like he was trying to take floaters a little bit more with his hands, which I always agree with for most players and especially taller outside passers. Martina Tanisov, the 23-year-old outside hitter from Bulgaria, kind of had his breakout performance in the Olympic qualifying tournament was one of the reasons why they were so close to beating Brazil. He carried a lot of the offensive load, hitting 15 for 23 and scoring two aces as well as a kill block on Sunday's game. He's always been a player that really impresses me on Chaumont, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. And I think he deserves to be one of Bulgaria's starting outside hitters for at least until the 2024 Olympics. Luciano De Checo of Argentina was a huge reason why they were able to grab that qualifying spot, even though they weren't necessarily maybe the favorite of the group. Argentina has a lot of talented players, but a lot of guys who are very particular about where they need the ball to hit, some outside hitters who struggle to pass the ball well sometimes, and some very capable middles who just need to be able to be fed the ball. And Luciano De Checo is just the perfect setter for the system, really excels in getting the ball to the attackers with a good tempo, even if the pass is a two pass or even even a one pass, sometimes he's able to run a pretty quick tempo offense and then gives you pretty good serving and blocking as well. One of the most talented setters in the world. And I think him and Facundo Conte were definitely the stars of Argentina this weekend. The last guy I'll mention, another guy who, if you've listened to the recap podcast I did earlier this week, a lot of these guys will be the similar, but Viktor Polotayev, Russia's opposite, who started over Maxi Mikhailov the whole weekend, which is just crazy to think about in retrospect. Extremely athletic guy, extremely stretchy in the air, just hits impossible angles, really hard to dig. Great server, just can't say enough good things about this guy. I do think Russia is a bit more consistent with Maxi Mikhailov, though. 
So I think their ceiling's higher with Politaev, but I think consistency is better with Mikhailov. So we'll see which one they decide to go with in the World Cup, but more importantly, the Olympics next year, which they're qualified for. And speaking of Russia, Carlo asks, thoughts on the changes to Russia since Samovuo joined the team? And I'm not the best guy at reacting to co- coaching changes and discussing the coaching elements of volleyball, but I think since Samovuo has joined the team, their blocking and serving have gotten a lot better. I think they are taking more risks with their serves. And I think this Russian team can afford it too, which makes it extremely effective. Igor Kliuka, for example, a very high ace percentage, I think 16% in VNL, while keeping his errors fairly low, especially for a guy who mainly jump serves. Kirkiev had a float serve that really impressed me when I was watching at VNL in Chicago. Sat baseline right behind the servers, and man, that thing floated so much in the air. Don't know how anyone passes it. So I like that he's keeping the serving aggressive, but I think he's become more conservative with the blockers. If Russia had a weak spot, it might be their back row defense. A lot of the guys are bigger, slower. They don't have Alexei Verbov behind the blockers anymore to pick up everything. So I think he'd rather slow the ball down with the blockers rather than get those huge kill blocks, which they still get, but maybe not as aggressively. Naspoji asks, when is the Olympics? So uh, Naspoji, one sec, just let me Google that for you. 2020 Summer Olympics. Naspoji goes from Friday, July 24th, 2020 to Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Yao Yao and Yao asks, when will you become an official FIVB commentator? As soon as they ask me. Volleyball Daily BR asks, which team will get the last European spot for the Olympics? That's a question I feel like we're going to be debating all the way until January. I mean, the two favorites, the two teams who got eliminated at the Olympic qualifying tournament, France and Serbia, I think those two are the favorites. But if Bulgaria plays like they did against Brazil in those first two sets, I think they definitely have a shot. Belgium or the Netherlands, I think, could still qualify, although Belgium looking a bit less confident about them after getting crushed by the Netherlands and the USA. Slovenia might have a chance still. We can't forget about Germany, who is ranked low in the FIVB system, but ranked fairly highly in the CEV system. And I know Jörg Grozier is returning to practice with the team and is going to play with the team in January. So they, they could be a threat too if they bring back all their big guns. But if I had to choose one team, I think it would still be France. Just given the depth of their team, how skilled those top players are like Tony Udi, Engapet, LaRue, Boyer, with the caveat that we start Trevor Cleveno or Thibaut Rossard over Kevin Tilly. Apologize to Kevin Tilly, great player, but I think that team needs what Cleveno and Rossard bring to the table more than they need the skills that Tilly brings to the table. Hawks in the Six, shout out to Humber College Volleyball, asks, what are your thoughts on the remaining six spots for the Olympics? I mean, one of the spots is quite easy. Japan, as the hosts, are already qualified. Not the best automatic qualification we've ever had. Brazil in 2016 was pretty sweet, but definitely not the worst, say, Great Britain in 2012. But still, still not a bad automatic qualification. Then out of Asia, without Japan, who I think would be one of the contenders for favorites to come out of Asia, I think Iran will make it, although Australia, China, and South Korea are all looking pretty good, all improving since the last time I watched them play. But I think Australia will give them the most trouble, but Iran should qualify out of Asia. Similar situation in Norseka. Canada and Cuba are the two top teams there. Canada, definitely the favorite to come out of there, but are still dealing with injuries to some of their players, seemingly always dealing with injuries, and haven't really been playing their best ball over the past, say, like 12 months. 
Cuba looked really good in that Olympic qualifying tournament, almost beating Iran and probably playing Russia the toughest. And they are adding some big name players like Robert Landy Simon and maybe Hirzulo and Michael Sanchez as well. Although I think Herrera, the opposite that was playing during the qualification tournament, I would probably take him above Michael Sanchez right now. That guy was really explosive, really athletic, very strong player. Out of Europe, as I mentioned earlier, I think France will make it through. Definitely by far the most competitive region though. Definitely wish there were more spots for European teams at the Olympics because there's so many good ones that would be great additions to the 2020 Olympics. In Africa, I think Tunisia looked the best to me out of the three teams that participated in the Olympic qualifiers. And then in South America, oof, it's tough, tough to decide who's going to get out of there. We don't get to see much of these teams play. We did see Chile at the FIVB Challenger Cup, but they lost in straight sets to Slovenia and to Turkey. It's really too bad that one of Brazil or Argentina didn't qualify through the Olympic qualifications tournament, not because they're bad teams. Those two teams should definitely definitely be in the Olympics. But if one of them had not qualified, they would have had an easy, easy path to Olympics. And we could have seen either Bulgaria, Canada, or even maybe China qualify for the Olympics, which I think would all be better choices than Chile, who is getting better in recent years, but still not at the level of like a top 12 or even 25 team in the world. Micah Skinner asks what my predictions are for the 2019 World Cup. Gonna be honest, I had to go back and check which teams were participating in it because it just feels like not an important tournament this year without that Olympic spot up for grabs. And we're slowly starting to get a drip feed of information as to what the strategies of each team are. But I wouldn't expect a lot of the European teams to send their A teams considering the European Volleyball Championships is in September, just like days before the start of the World Cup. So I doubt any players participating in that would also participate in the World Cup. However, I think Poland could throw together a pretty good lineup even with players not participating in the European Championships. So they might be a medal contender still. I think Iran, if they send that core seven group, will be a strong contender. Although those guys might be pretty tired from a very busy summer between all of Volleyball Nations League and the Olympic qualifying tournament and the Asian Championships. The USA doesn't really have the depth. They get a lot worse after you get through their starting lineup. So if they do send their B team, I don't see them being too competitive. Canada actually has a decent amount of depth. If they send a combination of B and A guys, I think they might be competitive as well. But I think the team that I would bet on most to win it is probably Brazil. Even though they don't really have much to fight for except for ranking points, they could hang on to that number one ranking in the world. If they're missing a lot of their starters, their B team, and even some of their third lineup guys are pretty strong. Like if you look at who competed in the Pan American Games for Brazil, I think that lineup would be competitive in this tournament. But again, it's, it's really too early to tell. We'll have to wait and see what coaches decide to send which players. Jeff ABC 18 asks, will Canada win the Americas qualifier and where is it being held? We don't know where the qualifiers are being held yet. I imagine it will be announced uh, probably before the World Cup, I would imagine, because teams were just able to start their bidding process after they found out they didn't qualify for the Olympics through the qualification tournaments. Will Canada qualify? Probably, I think so. And hopefully we can host the qualifier here in Canada. I think that would be a really, really great move by Volleyball Canada to host that. And Lamb Thomas asks for an exact percentage of the chance that Canada goes to the Olympics, say about 75%. If I were a betting man, th those are the odds I would give you. They definitely have the strongest team. However, health is an issue. 
Cuba getting back some of their stronger players is an issue, but I do think Canada has the higher skill level in talent and experience that is required to do well in a tournament like this. Simon Landolt asks, who is the best opposite in the qualifiers? As I mentioned earlier, probably Viktor Polataev and Amir Abdelaziz were the two guys who stood out to me the most. Latexi asks, can you start coaching Finland? We would probably win the first game after 15 losses. Well, it seems like someone is really missing Selmovuo. He is a great coach, and it does see suck to see him go to a team like Russia. But you guys still have a lot of good young players, I think, that are just early on in the development curve. But in a few years, Finland should be dangerous. You guys will definitely win some games at the European Championships, and you probably don't want me coaching. I'm, I'm sure whatever you have now, it would be a lot better than me coaching. Magnus Burr asks, What outside hitters are the best at the different aspects of the game, blocking, hitting, etc.? This is actually a really fun question. So two of these questions are really easy. Hitting, Wilfredo Leon. Serving, Wilfredo Leon. Don't think there's anyone who comes that close to him at those two aspects of the game. I think Sam DeRue is definitely the best blocker when it comes to an outside hitter position. Gets way above the net, really disciplined, can help out in the middle sometimes, shuts down other opposites routinely. Just everything you would want from a blocking outside hitter. In terms of passing, I think the guy who I would most want to take right now is Taylor Sander. Really consistent passer, can absorb jump serves really well, takes the ball with his hands quite well. And one thing I really like about him is he passes and then he's available to hit immediately. Like he, he almost seems to pass and get ready to approach in the same motion. I also like Kevin Tilly a lot when it comes to passing. We know he's sometimes available as a libero, so it makes sense that he's a, he's a strong passer. Probably the toughest one to determine is back row defense. I think I would take Irvin Engapet if Irvin Engapet is trying hard, which as we know, he does not do all the time. But when he's really locked in and dialed in, seems like he can pop anything up and really good at chasing balls down and making them playable. But just overall, I would say Milad Abadapur, I think, is the best back row defender. Really effective in deep six and has good touch on the ball and can hustle when he needs to chase a ball down. Liam Dewar asks, how did you think of your intro outro song? It's fantastic. So I got to shout out my friend Ezra Jordan, up and coming Canadian artist. Check him out on Spotify if you want some really kind of chill, funky, tropical pop tunes. Really talented guy and he did that intro for me. So check him out. And he also asks, when do you think Poland will start to lose games, and to who? Well, assuming they send their strong team to the European Championships, which I think would be the favorite to win it. I mean, they could lose later on to a team like Italy, Russia, or Serbia, but I would assume they will probably start losing games during the World Cup, where they have to play 11 other teams, so I can't imagine them winning every single one. Will Thought asks, what is your opinion on the number one offensive player joining the number one national team? Yeah, that's, that's pretty overpowered. As we could see during the Olympic qualifiers, they're going to be the favorite at the European Championships and almost definitely at Tokyo 2020, assuming health isn't a huge factor. Corey Edwards asks, Do you think Lille's poor passing messes up Brazil's quick offensive system, and does Wallace seem less lethal than he once was? Well, for the second part of that question, I thought Wallace looked alright at Nations League, and he looked pretty good during the regular season of the Brazil Superliga. However, his team, Rio de Janeiro, did finish fourth, and Alan Souza did win best opposite of the league, but there were other issues with Rio de Janeiro other than Wallace. However, you're right, during the Olympic qualifiers, he did look a bit slower, as I mentioned on the last podcast. He didn't look quite as explosive, and for a guy that just relies on that explosion and hitting those really sharp angles that are available to him, losing even a bit of vertical is a pretty damaging thing. It's getting a bit older, but like I said on the last podcast... I'd like to see it continue for more than one tournament for me to, you know, doubt Wallace. And then to answer whether Yoandri Liel is messing up Brazil's offensive system, 
I think his poor passing does impact Brazil more than it would impact kind of a slower offense like Russia or like Poland. And it does create an interesting feedback loop because Liel's poor passing makes it more necessary to set Liel more because of his poor passing. Because he's probably their best out-of-system hitter. So it's definitely give and take with Liel. I think his offense and blocking is just way, way better than anyone else they could put at that position. So he adds a lot to the game that way. But if he really, really wants to compensate for his passing, I think he needs to just get that serve in a little more often. I think he became less consistent with that serve since he left Santa Cruzero. It used to be such a weapon in every single game, but nowadays I feel like only one, maybe two times a match, where his serve really feels like a huge ace threat. But definitely not a straightforward or simple answer for Brazil, because putting Douglas Souza or Mauricio Borges into that position definitely takes away from your offense in terms of setting the ball to that particular player, but there is an argument that maybe it would increase the offensive output overall of the team. Francesco Santos asks, who do you think the best volleyball player is right now? Love the vids, by the way. Thank you for the nice words. As for the best volleyball player, gotta be Wilfredo Leon right now. Just adds so much to the game in terms of out-of-system attacking, in-system attacking, and serving, and starting to get a lot better at blocking too, getting coached by Vidal Hainan, so he's the number one guy I would want on my team. Logan Mueller asks, how have your predictions for the World Cup rankings changed since the IOQT? if at all. Like I mentioned earlier, I do think it's a bit early for World Cup predictions. There's too many variables. We don't know what uh, players teams will send. Depends, I think, on teams do at the European Championships too, and in their individual continental championships. So I, I don't think the World Cup rankings have changed that much for me. It's Brady B asks, who are the best young prospects other than DeFalco or Nishida? I really like DeFalco. I don't know if I would put Nishida necessarily in the top 10 of prospects right now, but I think the two guys who I've kind of been debating as the best prospects are Shawan Vernon Evans, the opposite from Canada, and Jakub Kohanowski, a middle blocker slash attacker from Poland. Both are really athletic, really talented and skilled young guys who I can see being the best at their position someday. And you could throw Oleg Plotnitschki, the U Ukrainian outside hitter, in there as well. Nath Wang 5 asks, how does North American youth development compare to other countries? So I'm not intensely familiar with a lot of countries' youth development programs, but from what I've seen, North America trains the most athletes, the best athletic players. I think we have the best conditioning, strength training, flexibility training, the most knowledge in how the body moves, how to make it stronger, how to develop athletic and explosive movements, that kind of thing. However, I think we lag behind in developing volleyball skills. I think players in other countries start younger, they get more touches, spend more time with the ball, and maybe focus on training rather than youth competition, which is really popular in North America. You'll see North American teams, though, struggle a lot of times at youth events, even when they have some pretty good players. And then as time goes on though, and as the players get older, North American players really start to excel above some of their peers due to the athleticism and them catching up in the skill department. Sondra Finn asks, what do you think of Anders Moll and of players like that who are high level indoor and on the beach? I think almost all high level players, either indoor or beach, have played at a pretty high level of the opposite sport that they compete in. So high level beach players usually have played high level indoor and vice versa. There are a huge amount of skill overlap between the two, including volleyball IQ, being able to read attacks, passing, defense, blocking. A lot of those skills can be developed a lot on the beach. I like Anders Moll in an indoor game. He was clearly an extremely talented player. However, you can't argue with the success he's had with 
Christian Sorum, the Beach Volley Vikings, on the beach. The best team in the world right now, and for a good reason. They're just so fun to watch on the beach. One of my favorite teams to follow. I think a lot of players that are at the top of the game in terms of court and beach could cross over and be successful at a high level in the other one. I'm a little bit biased, but I think there's more high-level court players that could do really well on the beach than vice versa. Like, can you imagine putting Irvin Engapet or Wilfredo Leon on a beach team together? Like, that team, give them a few months to train and could be one of the top teams in the world. But there's definitely a lot of guys that could go from the beach to the court as well. Philip I asks, what do you think of Linus Weber? I like him as a player. I think he's very skilled for his age. He's tall. He's athletic. He has a lot of the elements that you would want as a high-level volleyball prospect. I expected him to be a bit better in the Volleyball Nations League. He looked inconsistent struggled with confidence in terms of scoring which is not a good sign but hopefully that can be developed with time i think he'll get a lot of really good touches in with milano this year and given namir abdelaziz's injury history he might end up starting some games as well ryan nikifor asks who are you my name is dan and i'm a volleyball fan raul perez 5 asks who is your favorite player and why favorite player probably lebron james that game winner he hit over Orlando in the 2009 Eastern Conference semifinals was just magical. One of the reasons I love basketball so much. C. Patel 12 asks, who's your favorite volleyball player? Ah, see, Patel specified volleyball player. Favorite volleyball player has to be Wilfredo Leon. He's about my age, only slightly more athletic, and just one of the most fun players to watch in our sport. Mark00 asks, favorite Asian volleyball player? Probably Yuki Ishikawa, followed by Zhang Xuan and Milad Abadapur. All guys I try and watch as much as possible. All guys who play on high-level club teams, so lucky enough to get the opportunity to watch them fairly often. And the last question for today is asked by Jacob's Fun Party, who asks, what are your thoughts on the future for the USA national team? The US national team is going to be totally fine, obviously, for 2020 is one of the favorites. 2024, they should likely be able to keep most of the same group, except for maybe... Matt Anderson, hopefully Ben Patch has developed into a starting level opposite by then. Even 2028, the current crop of guys that are coming out of college right now, like Micah Ma'a, Jeffrey Jendrick, TJ DeFalco, Kyle Ensing, Gage Worsley, hopefully will improve enough to give USA some medal opportunities. I don't know though, there doesn't seem to be a lot of strong prospects coming out of the NCAA in the next few years other than the aforementioned Gage Worsley, the libero. Most of the best players coming through in the next few years seem to be foreigners like Radu Parapunov, Dana Jima, David Gardini, and Gabby Garcia. So USA will still be very strong for the coming years, but there could be an era of weak USA volleyball coming up. We'll see. Maybe, maybe some more guys pop out. Maybe they have their next big generation of superstars as high school players right now. We'll have to wait and see. So that's all the questions for today. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Not too much volleyball going on for the next couple of weeks. Nothing really until the Continental Tournaments start in September. I think Norseka is the first one on September 4th. Then we have European, Asian, African, and South American Championships happening after that. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and I hope you have a great weekend.